All right, good morning uh, to all of you guys. Good to see you all here today. Good morning. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Tony and Susan, Tim and Marie, Ashley. Keaton's golfing, man, like a son of a gun. It's a beautiful day to golf, too. I'm right by the golf course that I'm going, oh, man, that's tempting. <laughs> you don't mind if I play 18, I'll come and teach later. <laughs> no, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Can we have service on the golf course, like an 18 hole? You know? All right, good morning uh, to all of you, and uh, last night I was just telling you guys, now I'll let the uh, Pal Talk uh, audience uh, in on it. Last night I went to uh, a Beatles, I'm a, you know, most, anybody who knows me personally is like, I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan. So I had I went to, uh, at the uh, Colonel Stadium, they had a, a Beatles tribute band called American English, and they were, they were really, really good, and they had an opening guy who was Elvis. You know, and after every song, you know, I go, thank you very much, thank you. I was like sitting there laughing. The guy looked really just like Elvis and everything. He was... He was very good. And the Beatles tribute band, I was singing like, I was like, oh man, what I would do just to go out there. Give me a wig, okay? And I could do like Lennon and McCartney's parts. I'd love to do that. I'd like to be in a Beatles tribute band. But uh, so far, I had, so I'm sitting up there in the mezzanine and I'm singing the lyric, you know, singing all the songs. When I grew up, I was a big Beatles fan growing up as a kid, so it was, it was a lot of fun. So if I'm a little hoarse this morning, that's probably why. <laughs> but uh, good morning to all of you and. Uh, we're going. Uh, you, uh, if you look in your uh, in your seats, uh, you know Titus and Jody and the and the kids did a great. First of all, thank you for opening up your homes, Titus and Jody. You're opening up your home to us, and uh, so we could have class. And our lesson is actually gonna. It's gonna be interesting in Romans 16, where Paul talks about churches that met in homes. Uh, uh, people met in homes to study the Word of God. So we're basically going right back to the first century church, what they did. But uh, in your on your seats, we have copy the notes there for today's class are there. And also, uh, we have the lyrics to the songs I'm going to do today. I'm going to do our uh, congregational songs. going to be, I Rejoice in Your Love. And then I'm going to do a, a song for you, I Am Your Servant. And then at the end, for the offering, we'll do You Are My God. So uh, those are the songs we'll be doing here this morning. And uh, it's just great. It's great to see, to see you guys again, Tim Marie uh, and uh, Phil and Crystal. It was good, great having you here. And Tony and Susan and, and my neighbor Don is here. And... So it's just great to see you guys all here, and uh, we're going to. Uh, and as I, you know, we've been talking, and if it gets to the point where we uh, we can't fit anybody into the Thompson house, we can't fit any more in. Which it's gonna. If we go any further, we're gonna have a hard time. But we'll, we'll end up, you know, we'll rent a place like uh, on Sunday or somewhere in Cedar Rapids, somewhere or whatever, uh, Marion, whatever, wherever God leads us. We're just taking it one day at a time, walking by faith, not by sight. So. Uh, it's kind of an exciting time. I, I think and Tim, Tim was talking about how it was an exciting time, and I agree. It's an exciting time. God's opening up uh, some doors to us, and um, so it's going to be interesting what He has planned. Uh, you can turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, verse 3. And as before we do, before we get involved, before we have our song service and then the teaching of the Word of God, we take a moment of silent prayer to prepare ourselves to hear the teaching of the Word of God. Remember, when we're here and sit and listen to the Word of God, this is a time that we're going to hear what the Holy Spirit says to us through the teaching of the Word of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. And all Scriptures God breathed, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 16. And the Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift the minute we trusted in Jesus as our Savior. And it says in John 16, verses 13 through 15, that the Holy Spirit helps us understand the things of Christ. And He helps us to apply these things. Paul talks in a similar vein in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit will guide you in the application of the things that you will hear. There's obviously an application I will bring out 
as the Spirit so directs me, but also, you're all in different individual spots. You're all at different stages of spiritual growth. No believer is at the same stage of spiritual growth. Uh, I'm different than you. You're different from me. We're all at different stages because we're all individuals. And so there's always something there in the message that you as an individual can, uh, can take and apply to your very own life. And so this is a, a very important time. So if we're not in fellowship with God, then we can't hear that what the Spirit's telling us. You might understand the Bible intellectually, but you can't make the proper applica application unless you're filled with the Spirit. So how, do we, how we're filled with the Spirit, which is commanded of us in Ephesians 5.18? Well, first of all, we make sure that we have uh, confessed our sin. We're going to take a moment of silent prayer in a minute. But we're going to confess our sin. Do it First John 1 John 1.9 states, if necessary, we're to confess the sin. If we don't have to, we're already in fellowship with God. Great. But when we confess our sins, the Father is faithful and just to forgive us our sins with the result that He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing. So therefore, that restores us to fellowship, and then we maintain that fellowship by bringing our thoughts into obedience to the Spirit who speaks to us to the teaching of the Word of God. So that's when we're being filled with the Spirit. Filling in the Spirit means you're guided and directed, influenced by the Holy Spirit. And he does that, again, through the Word of God. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell in your hearts. And if there's uh, anything that's disturbing and distracting to you, something that's bothering you, don't insult God. And the next hour, he wants you to concentrate, listen to him, leave all your cares and, and problems and difficulties outside, and do what First Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. So in the privacy of our very own royal priesthood, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day, beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for the nice dry weather that's moved in here into Iowa. We just thank you so much, Father, for gracing us out that we can enjoy and experience creation. Thank you for the bodies that you've given us, the, our, our, our eyesight, our hearing, our taste, all the senses that we have, the mental capacity that we have, and of course the gift of the Holy Spirit and a relationship with you through faith in your Son. We thank you for saving us, Father and treating us in love and grace when we were your enemies, sending your Son to the cross for us when we were helpless and hopeless and antagonistic to you and hated you. And we thank you also for raising us up and seating us with your Son at your right hand when we were dead in our sins and transgressions. And we pray, Father, that we can in turn treat each other and all believers and all men the same way you treated us in love and grace, that impersonal, unconditional love, that self-sacrificial love, and help us to follow the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit this morning. We just pray, Father, that your people here this morning would be sensitive to the Spirit's guidance and direction. And we just pray, Father, that they would receive their necessary spiritual nourishment. We also thank you, Father, for the Thompsons opening up their home to us and all the individuals who you've led here this morning and those who might be listening right now on Pound Talk and other parts of this country and the world and on the website. And we just thank you for each and every one of them. And we also, Father, we thank you for our leaders. We lift up our president. We pray for President Obama and his cabinet and the executive, judicial, legislative branches of our federal, state, and local governments and military 
in covert operations, that you would give them the wisdom and the moral courage to lead this country, raise up individuals with positive volition, character and integrity, respect for your word in all areas of our government. And we know, Father, that they're under attack from the kingdom of darkness and help your people to apply what you've taught us in 1 Timothy 2, 1-7, to pray for our leaders, to pray for those in authority, so that we might live a peaceful and tranquil life. And Father, we also, uh, we just uh, thank you for this study in the book of Romans, and we just pray, Father, for this uh, study this morning in Romans 16, would be a great blessing to the body of Christ assembled here. We pray that the Spirit would help us understand uh, what uh, uh, your will for our lives is, and to understand... Uh, everything that will be mentioned here and taught here this morning. Give grace to the communicator. Give him the strength he needs. Empower him to deliver your full counsel in a fashion that would bring glory to you and minister to your people so that with one voice all of us can sing out in praise to you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ. So in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Can you all rise, please? We're going to do I Rejoice in Your Love. Anybody get the lyrics? I rejoice in your love.
me, sorry. Romans chapter 16, verse 3. Romans chapter 16, verse 3. 
All right. Uh, again, we're uh, continuing our study of um, the Book of Romans. In Romans, uh, we're in Romans chapter 16, the final chapter. This past week, we began the chapter by noting an overview, a general outline of the chapter, and then we we studied verses one and two on Thursday about Phoebe, who delivered this Roman epistle. And uh, Paul uh, introduced Phoebe to the Roman believers and told her to told them to treat her with honor and respect and beca- and to uh, to put your, put themselves at her disposal just like she had served other people they were to serve her and so she was a great woman a woman of God we don't know a lot about her but her name uh, is in the canon of Scripture what a great honor that is. And uh, so we see other names we're going to be seeing here this morning. Other names that we mentioned. We're going to actually cover a lot of ground here. Uh, we do verse by verse study, of course, here of the, the Book of Romans. In our in our studies here, the expository, where we study verse by verse the different books of the Bible. But we're going to be able to cover a lot of ground here this morning. We're actually going to note Romans 16 verses 3 through 15. So the reason why that is is there's not a lot of uh, doctrine. There's not a lot of thoughts in here, other than the fact that he's greeting a lot of people. He's sending greetings to a lot of people in Rome that he knew. And some of these people had risked their lives. A couple, as we're going to see, had risked their lives for the Apostle Paul. They're individuals, just like you and I, saved by the grace of God, but have been faithful, giving their time, talent, and treasure, and serving the body of Christ, propagating, so helping to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And these individuals, we don't know a lot about, but... Their names are there, and Paul gives little uh, descriptions of each one of them for us, and it gives us a little insight into the character of these people. All of them loved the Lord Jesus Christ like Paul. All of them uh, felt deeply about their relationship with God, as manifested in the fact that they served the body of Christ, not just Paul, but they served the body of Christ. And so this is going to be, I think you're going to really enjoy this particular study. So, again, we're going to study Romans 16, verses 3 through 15. In this passage, Paul's going to command the Roman believers who received this epistle. He's commanding them in these verses to greet on his behalf 26 individuals, two families, and other unnamed individuals. Now look at Romans chapter 16, verse 3. Paul says, Greet Prisca. Now in Luke, it's, uh, her name is, uh, is uh, Priscilla. It's the diminutive, diminutive form of this word Prisca. And Prisca actually means little old woman is what it is. It, what's the name mean? It, that's what it means, the name. So he says, Greet Prisca and Aquila. And Aquila's name means eagle. And he says, Greet uh, Prisca and Aquila. My fellow work is in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks to whom not only do I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles that that first word they greet is the word aspazoma and that word appears 21 times in these verses 16 times in verses 3 through 15 it's a technical term and that means it's conveying Paul's greetings to 26 individuals here in these verses, two families and other unnamed individuals. So he's saying, give my regards to these people, is what he's saying. When he says greet, he's actually saying, please give my regards to the following people, and then he's going to name them off. Now the first couple he mentions here is Prisca and Aquila. And again, remember in Luke, in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote, he uses the diminutive form Priscilla. So it's speaking of the same individual. So greet Prisca, Prisca and Aquila. Now this couple were tent makers. They were tent makers and they met Paul at Corinth 
through this trade of tent making during his second missionary journey that met Paul and they, they were uh, they, so this, this couple were uh, tent makers and they met Paul at Corinth through this trade during his second missionary journey because he was a tent maker and they became his loyal friends let's take a little uh, look at this couple and Paul meeting them look at uh, Acts chapter 18 look at verse 1 Acts chapter 18, verse 1. So these, this couple, they served with Paul at Corinth, where Paul wrote this Roman epistle. They served there for a period of time, and then they, Paul dropped them off in Ephesus to begin work there. And then they, they brought Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. Uh, that uh, records that this couple brought Apollos to a better understanding of Christ, and they joined Paul in Ephesus for a long time, ministering to the Ephesians there, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Now, it's, uh, let's look at Acts chapter 18, verse 1, please, which is right before the book of Romans. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Paul says, and it says, and uh, Luke wrote this, he says in 18, Luke's, uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 1, after these things, he, Paul, left Athens, Athens, Greece, and he went to Corinth. Again, Corinth is where Paul wrote the Roman epistle in 57 AD. And look what it says. And he, Paul there, he found a Jew named Aquila, the same Aquila in Romans 16.3, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and her name is Prisca in Romans, same person. Because why did they have to leave Rome? Uh, Italy, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, and, and we know from secular history, uh, from other secular historians, that that took place in 49 A.D. And the reason why the Jews were kicked out of uh, of Rome at that time in Italy is because they were having problems with Christians. Remember, if you look at the Book of Acts, uh, the Jews thought that the the, the gospel of the evangelists, Christian evangelists, were putting down the law. They were saying you can't get saved by the law, but by faith alone in Christ alone, by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. And the Jews took offense to that. And so the, that's why Paul was persecuted. So we see that the, this is the, this, this disturbance there in Italy and Rome so ticked off the Roman Empire, it got to the ears of the Roman Emperor Claudius at that time in 49 AD and he issued an edict to remove all Jews because of the disturbance that they were having between with Christians. Eventually, when Claudius died, they were let back in to Italy and into the city of Rome. And then it says at the end of verse 18, and he came to them and because he was of the same trade, tent making, he stayed with them and they were working for by trade they were tent makers. So every Jewish boy, including Jesus, had learned to trade. They were taught a trade and that they would use that. And Paul used this trade to supplement his income uh, when he went and evangelized in the church planted throughout the Roman Empire from Jerusalem to Illyricum that we, we saw. So he would get he would get a job, a part-time job, and he would do that and he would work many times full-time as a tent maker to supplement his income. And uh, especially when he was in new regions that didn't know Christianity. And look what it says in verse 4, and he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word. So he stopped doing the tent making and devoted himself to the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. 
I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So if you, he's saying, you rejected the gospel, now I'm going to leave. There's consequences for rejecting the word of God, and it gets removed from your area if you're not careful. And this is what Paul's saying here. You rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, well, I'm moving the show somewhere else. I'm going down the road. And now you're responsible for the fact that you rejected, he's saying to them. Then verse 7, Then he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city, the city of Corinth. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there were our questions about words and names in your own law, Look after it yourselves. I'm willing, I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Now so he says in verse 18, Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Pris Priscilla and Aquila. And Sancria, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. But look at the, jump down to uh, verse 26. And Paul, it says in verse 26, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, that's, excuse me, Paulus began speaking out boldly in the synagogue. Who was there? But Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more Accurately. So notice in that chapter we see a lot about Priscilla and Aquila. Paul calls, calls, calls uh, Priscilla Prisca in Romans 16.3. But this is the kind of couple they were. Notice that they were into the Word of God. They were actually helping another communicator of the Word of God, Apollos, who was very eloquent, we know, and he was an individual who was a teacher of the Word of God, but Priscilla and Aquila, or Prisca and Aquila, they actually helped him understand the Word of God more accurately. So they were knowledgeable of the Word of God, and they were devoted, to, they were friends of Paul, and this is why Paul in Romans 16, 3, which you can go back to, he, that's why, this is why he greets them. They were a very big part of his ministry in Corinth and other places, and, and Ephesus as well. So go back to Romans 16, 3, please. It says in Romans 16.3, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles. Now the fact that they were a well-traveled couple, Prisca and Aquila, or Priscilla and Aquila, and that they provided a meeting place for a group of Christians in Rome, indicates that they were wealthy in those days, since only the wealthy could travel extensively as they did. So we know the fact that they traveled, as we saw in the book of Acts, and uh, they, were, had, they actually were uh, uh, wealthy enough to have a, uh, have a big house where they could have uh, people come into their homes and hear the teaching of the Word of God. So they were a couple that had means, and they used their means to help the body of Christ. 
So notice what we can see with this couple. First of all, they were a great couple. They knew the Word of God. So much so that they actually helped other communicators of the Word of God know the Word of God better. They were also very gracious and hospitable. They opened up their homes to the body of Christ. They were, one, they were individuals who had great hospitality. In fact, you're in Romans. Hold your place. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is what Prisca and Aquila did. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. They actually practiced the things that they learned. So this is another application. This Christian couple, they practiced the Word of God. They were students of the Word of God. They learned under the great apostle Paul and they put the Word of God into practice. The Word of God is very practical. They love the body of Christ and they demonstrate it by their hospitality and their self-sacrificial nature. They were able to, they opened up their homes for the sake of other believers. Now when he says, uh, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, notice that he describes Prisca and Aquila, he gives descriptions of them. He says, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, what a great honor. This indicates that phrase, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, that indicates that this couple were joint partners with Paul in the advancement of the communication of the Word of God throughout the Roman Empire in the cause of Jesus Christ. And the application for us is that when you take part in this ministry, you sit down and attend a Bible class. And you're here, whether it's here or anywhere else, if they're teaching the Word of God, teaching the Gospel accurately, and you're listening to it, and you're participating, showing up and listening and giving of your time, talent and treasure, your finances and prayers for that ministry, you enter into that man's ministry. Every single one of you are involved in my ministry. In fact, it's not just so much my ministry, it's our ministry because we're joint partners in the cause of Christ. We want people to know about Jesus, but that's just the step, first step. We want people to be entered into the family the God, uh, through faith in Christ, but then we need to grow up the spiritual maturity. There's a plan after you get converted to grow up spiritually, and that also you're contributing to. The more you, the, when you contribute to this ministry, and whatever area you do, you are actually helping the Lord Jesus Christ. You're helping Him. This is His ministry ultimately. It's ours, we're taking part in it, but He is the one who runs the show. He is the one who's in us. And His Spirit is working in and through us. So it's Him doing the work through us as we let Him do it. It's not let go, let God. He does His work through us when we obey His Spirit, which is found in the, which is teaching us through the Word of God, and we obey it. When we do that, then the Spirit in Christ are working through us. And then we become fellow workers in Christ Jesus, just like Prisca and Aquila. Now it says another description of him. He says, Greek Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, and here's a wonderful passage here, who risked my, for my life, risked their own necks. So that means that, that it emphasizes the self-sacrificial character of Prisca and Aquila. This couple, they were willing to give their lives for the Apostle Paul. They were willing to, let's put it this way in our day, they were willing to take a bullet for him. When it says risk their own necks, capital punishment, they would decapitate you. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Here we say he, they take a bullet for you. And they understood what Jesus taught. 
No greater love that man has than this, that he lays down his life for his brothers. And these people understood what Jesus taught in John 15. They had a self-sacrificial character. They cared nothing of themselves. They, they, to do that, to sacrifice your life or be willing to sacrifice your life for another means you have totally disreg total disregard for yourself. You, he who loves his life shall lose it and he who gain, uh, hates his life shall gain it back again. So you, these people understood that. They were willing to take up their cross daily and follow Jesus. And listen to me, people. It all costs us something to follow Jesus. It's cost me, it's cost you. It's cost me time with family and friends. It's cost me time with my nieces and my nephews. And it's cost you time to follow Christ as well. Maybe it costing you. Uh, you might you might be getting uh, having attacks a, a or criticism because you are here listening to the Word of God. Who knows what you've had to go through? Only you and God know that. But it costs us something to follow Jesus. And it might cost us. It might cost us friendships. It might cost us money. It might cost us a better job. Uh, all these things. Things are a part of God's plan for our lives, and it might even cost us our lives. We haven't got to that point in this country, but it, we, the day is getting closer. It's becoming more and more prevalent in our country. The, the country is rejecting the Word of God and becoming more and more antagonistic to Christianity. And it wasn't not too long ago in San Diego. I don't know if you read this. San Diego. A pastor was teaching in a home, I think it was, and they actually were knocking on his door the police and they actually, I forget what was the reason they knew that they call it, uh, uh, I forget what, what, remember what was the deal with that, yeah. Titus? Yeah. 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 What was he doing? Something about being a business in the residential area. Yeah, and so they actually were going to, they arrested him, right? And uh, so that, that they found out they had no cause to do that. They were wrong to do that. But that, you know, the, you know it, it, the government might become more and more antagonistic to us. We don't know. But... That's what it might, God might call on us to, uh, to give our lives for the cause of Christ. Now look what he also says about this couple. He says at the very end, in verse 4, to whom not only do I give thanks, because they, they were willing to save my life, uh, risk their life in me, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. That last phrase, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all of the Gentiles, that indicates to us that Paul was grateful to this couple because they risked their own lives to save his, which in turn caused the churches that Paul established among the Gentiles in the Roman Empire to be grateful to this couple as well. So the, the Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire were thankful to this couple because it kept Paul around a little longer. Paul was able to hang around a little longer because of this couple. If it wasn't for this couple, Paul would have been dead. So this means that God used this couple to save Paul's life. Now look at verse 5. It says, Also, greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, Eponidas, excuse me, and my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Now look at that first statement. Also greet the church that is in their house, Priscilla and Aquila's house. That refers to the local Christian assembly that met in the home of Prisca and Aquila. The early first century church didn't meet in these big cathedrals. They didn't have that. They were poor. They were underground. To be a Christian wasn't something that was uh, uh, popular in the Roman Empire, especially in Rome. It was dangerous to be a Christian. In fact, if Paul wrote this in 57 AD, within 10 years, Nero would be putting some of them to death. Uh, we know from secular history and church history that they would, Nero, who ended up decapitating Paul in 68 AD, they were actually putting to death Romans, they were setting them on fire, putting them, in, putting them in pitch, and then setting them on fire and saying, hey, they're the lights of the world. 
That's what they did to Christians. So it wasn't it wasn't something that was popular to be. It, it was dangerous. Like it is in most parts of the world today, it's dangerous, especially in Muslim nations, to be a Christian because the Muslims will put a contract out on you. I know of a pastor who just came to Australia because he was a pastor of Islam that was trying that was hiding out from the they took his family because they put a contract on him because he was a Christian who was teaching the gospel and the Muslims wanted him silent. This extreme faction of Islam. So he had to leave that country and his family because of assassinations attempts. A Kingsley in Africa, another friend of ours, his friend was gunned down. He was supposed to be in that car. His, his friend was gunned down, riddled with bullets. He was murdered, this friend of his, who spoke the gospel. So it's dangerous to be a Christian in other parts of the world. And it wasn't something that you went to a big church because you weren't broadcasting you were a Christian many times because if you, what they were doing is that they were underground. They met in homes. And it was, not, it was a dangerous many times to be uh, say that you were a Christian. You were put to death by uh, the, 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 the various governments. So we see that he says, also greet the church that is in their house. So we don't, a church is not a building. God considers the church you and I. We're the church. The word church is the word ecclesia. And that means the called out ones. We're the called out ones. Called out from where? The devil's world. When we believed in Jesus Christ, we were called out. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. Not the building. And there's something wrong when a church concentrates on the building rather than the people who make up what really the church is. So anybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ whether they're Catholic or whether they're Pentecostal or Protestant or anything like non-denominational, whatever they are, Lutheran, they are members of the church. The church is the called out ones. And the church met in homes. They met in homes. And these big churches, these big mega churches, they're not found in the Word of God. You can't minister to that 10,000, 20,000 people like that. And ministering to people is also, it's not just teaching the Word of God, but it talks about having fellowship with them. Now how can a pastor have a fellowship with 20,000 people? I mean, I'm all for evangelists like Billy Graham getting the gospel out. And that's, that's nothing wrong with that. But when you have churches, churches are designed to be intimate. Uh, 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 when they here to have a local assembly, they hear the Word of God. They're designed to have an intimacy to it. And there's nothing wrong with having a building. As long as you don't lose sight of the fact, and eventually we might need a building ourselves, but don't lose sight of the fact that we are the church. It's about people, not about buildings. You know, you can sit there and you can dress up and have this beautiful building, but what good is it if there's no Christian character and the Word of God's not being taught? What good is that building if the Word of God's not being taught and we're not practicing what we've been taught in the Word of God? It's all for show then. It's hypocrisy. We're putting on a good mask and for people of the world, but inside we're full of wickedness and dead men's bones. We don't want to be described like that by Jesus. We want to be a, a, a true church is a body of... It's a living organism. It's not an organization. A church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living organism that runs on love, God's love. Meaning we forgive one another. We're patient and tolerant of one another. Because God and Christ has been patient and tolerant of us. He's forgiven all of our sins. And we're obligated to forgive others. Just like God has forgiven us. That's, that's what the church is supposed to reveal to the world. This is what the world's looking for. 
So this is what the church is all about. They met in their house, Prisca and Aquila. What great hospitality, hospitality to open up their homes to people in the body of Christ, to hear the word of God. Imagine the rewards they're going to get. So then he says, greet, and the second statement in verse 5, greet, he says, uh, Ibenitas, and my beloved, he calls them. And my beloved describes Paul's personal love and affection that he had toward Ipanita, excuse me, and indicating that he was a dear friend of Paul. So he says, uh, my beloved, he's saying, this guy's my dear friend. What a great honor to be called the dear friend of the Apostle Paul. Not an acquaintance. Let me tell you, there's two types of people in your life. When the world likes to say they're all friends. They're acquaintances and then they're friends. And we can't be intimate friends with everybody in the world. It's impossible. In fact, the Bible says the less friends you have, the better. But we see here that a fr acquaintance, you don't tell your intimate secrets to. As a friend, you can tell your secrets to. In fact, God wants us to be friends with Him. Jesus said, if you do what I tell you, you are my friends. And, he, and, and, and Abraham was a friend of God. So that means that they, there's an intimate relationship between us and the Lord. And that's what we want to be toward God. And we can and we have to also to be a true friend, to, to be a true friend, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. When you fail, when you're a success, when you're in the gutter or when you're in the penthouse, the friend loves you at all times. And people will love you if you have a lot of money, but if you're poor, the Bible says you don't have many friends. A wealth acquired gives you many friends, but they're not really true friends. There are a lot of people who are just looking to get something from you. So we need to be aware of that. But we see here that Paul was on intimate terms with this guy. Then he says this that uh, Ipinetus was the first convert to Christ from Asia. And that indicates that this man possesses this distinction of being the first convert to Christianity from the Roman province of Asia. Now look at verse 6. He says, Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. That emphasizes the outstanding character of Mary, indicating that when it says she worked hard for, for the Roman believers, that means she's exerted herself physically and spiritually in the face of adversity. Hey, being a Christian, as I said before, there's going to be adversity in your life. Don't, as, as Peter says, don't be, uh, uh, be surprised by the fiery trial among you. First Peter chapter uh, 1, I believe, or 4, I believe it is. So we see that we're going to go through trials and tribulations. Because, uh, that, in fact, uh, Paul said to the, uh, in Acts that through many trials and tribulations, we must end it, enter the kingdom of heaven. If they persecuted the master, Jesus, won't they persecute us, the slave of the master? Absolutely. The devil's world is against us. And the devil's world will use unbelievers, of course, and he will use believers sometimes who are out of fellowship with God and have been deceived by the devil. And that's the hardest lesson to learn. But a Christian, that's why it's important that you and I obey the Word of God because we can get into a place where we're actually doing what the devil wants us to do rather than what God wants us to do. And the difference, the, re, the whole thing pivots off your attitude toward the Word of God. What you learning it and applying it. You have a choice. You could say no to it or you could say yes to it. So we see that this man, uh, this Mary, in verse 6, she worked hard. She exerted herself physically and spiritually in the face of adversity. What that was, we don't know. Only God knows. And when she stands before the Bema Seat of Christ, which happens right after the rapture of the church, which is imminent, she, we will, at that time she will get her rewards for all the things that she did for the body of Christ in Rome. 
How long she worked hard for the body of Christ in Rome? We don't know. But God knows. And what's this tell us? God knows where you are, what you've done for the body of Christ. So be remember that. And He is faithful and He is just that He will reward you for all that you've done for the body of Christ. Now look at verse 7. He, see, he says, Preet uh, Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Now, Andronicus, excuse me, Andronicus and Junius, actually the word Junius should be Junia, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a couple. And they were a husband-wife team, just like Prisca and Aquila. They were Jewish, and we know that because it says my kinsmen, and they suffered imprisonment for the cause of Christ along with Paul, as indicated by the expression, my fellow prisoners. So these people, when he says my kinsmen, it doesn't mean that they were family members of Paul. It means that they were Jews like he was. Jewish Christians. And he says that they were fellow, his fellow prisoners. They were willing to suffer with Paul through imprisonment. Now that's a true friend. You know, a friend, oh, I'm, I'm with you. Oh, you know people like this in your life. Oh, I'm with you. But when trouble strikes, where are they? You'll find your, you'll find your friends. Hey, I remember my brother Christopher, my baby brother. When he was accused of a crime, he never committed, right? And they acquitted him of all charges, eventually. But at the time when it happened, you found out who his true friends were. You found out who his true friends were, and you found out who wasn't. Because his true friends, and, and people who loved him, stuck with him in his greatest hour of adversity. And that's how you know you have a true friend. When they stick with you through great adversity... And what, I mean, being imprisoned, that these people were, this couple, this Christian couple, not just the man, Andronicus, but Junius, or actually Junia, it's actually, a, it's a female, and they were, she was willing to suffer imprisonment along with Paul. Now that is a true friend. That's called loyalty. Loyalty is the, one of the greatest, if you can call it faithfulness, it's the great, one of the greatest things that you, attributes you could ever possess is being loyal. Hey, this is what killed, this is what hurt Peter. Remember when the Lord, when, remember the Lord was, Peter denied the Lord three times and everybody said, oh, we'll be with you, Lord, and Peter was at the head of the, at the class saying, when, you know, when they come for you, I'll be right there with you, Jesus, and who took off? They all did. Only John was there at the cross. Everybody, all the people who said they would be with him, left him. They abandoned him. And you know what? That's a, that they, they had to recover from that. They failed, but they all recovered. Peter recovered, he was restored, but he, they, had, they learned something, that they weren't loyal. So why? Because they trusted in their flesh. Peter learned the lesson that only through the Spirit could he truly be loyal to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you another thing. Listen to this principle. If you are loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be loyal to the body of Christ. The body that God has called you. And God calls you not to a building. He calls you to a pastor. 1 Peter 5.3 says, You've been allotted to a charge of a pastor. So where your pastor is, he's the shepherd, you're the sheep, you go and you hear the voice of your shepherd. That's the church. That's the place God wants you to be. And loyalty... Is when you're loyal to the Lord, you'll be loyal to that local assembly, that pastor that you've been called to. Now, uh, again, uh, Andronicus and Junia. Not Junius, but Junia. Now it says they were outstanding among the apostles. 
what does that mean? Well, it denotes that Andronicus and Junia were well known to the apostles, the other apostles. In other words, knowledge of this couple existed among the other 11 apostles. They were, they were famous among the apostles. What a great reputation to have. Peter, James, and John, all those guys knew who you were? That means that they did a lot for the body of Christ. And they were imprisoned along with Paul. That got their... Wow, these people are really loyal to the Lord. They really love the Lord, that they would be willing to suffer along with Paul in prison. Then it says they were also in Christ before Paul. That indicates that this couple converted to Christianity before Paul, indicating that they must have got saved within a year or two of the resurrection of Christ. Because Paul didn't get, he, he, he got saved a couple of years after the resurrection of Christ. So these people, one of the, they, this couple was one of the earliest Christians. Because they were in, they were saved before Paul was. And Paul, he got saved within a couple of years of the resurrection. Now, this also makes it likely that these, this couple were Jewish since the first Christians were Jewish, as the Gospels and Acts informs us. And specifically, they must have been Hellenistic Jews in Jerusalem, like the ones mentioned in Acts. When I say Hellenistic, they were Greek-speaking Jews. They didn't speak Aramaic, and they didn't speak the mother tongue Hebrew. Now, look at verse 8. He says, Greek ampliatus. My beloved in the Lord. My beloved again. This We saw it used earlier, but here it, it's used of ampliatus and it describes Paul's personal love and affection that he had toward this man. Indicating that he was a dear friend of Paul's with respect to serving the Lord, revealing that ampliatus was devoted to such service like Paul. So they were great friends. And then here's another little wisdom here that another pastor taught me. Your best friendships will be with Christians. Your best relationships will be with Christians, not with the world. However, there's a flip side. You've never been screwed until you've been screwed by a Christian. You know why that is? It hurts. The mo- that's, that's the double-edged sword. You can, you can have great, great intimacy with Christians, but it also, you can get burned by Christians as well. Why? Because we all have a sin nature. You might, you might even be, you might and I might even fall as well. We, we're, we're capable of doing terrible things too, because we all have a sin nature. But Christi- having a great, a, a, having a Christian as a friend can be a great thing, but it also can be very hurtful because if they're disloyal to you or they're unforgiving to you, that can really, really hurt you. But we have to operate in love when they really, really hurt us, right? Absolutely. So we need to see here that friendship among Christians, it can be great because we have, and also, you know you have a Christian friendship because you have the Lord between the two of you. Remember David and Jonathan? They, David loved Jonathan. And the Lord was between them. That was at the center of their relationship. Christian couples here, who has to be at the center of your relationship? Jesus Christ. That's going to that have a great relationship. If you both are learning His Word and applying the Word, putting it into practice in your daily lives, practicing love that God has taught you toward each other, you're going to have a great, great relationship, a great, great friendship and, as a married couple, and you're going to bring glory to God. And you're going to be entered as witness, in, as witness to the prosecution and the rebuttal phases, Satan's appeal trial as a Christian couple, which is quite amazing. It's tough enough for an individual to do it, but for Christian couples to do it, that is phenomenal. That is outstanding. Now look at verse 9. He says, Paul says, Greet Urbanus, or greet, please give my regards to Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved, 
Beloved, our fellow worker in Christ, that describes Urbanus to us as also joint partners with Paul in the cause of Jesus Christ, meaning that he helped Paul propagate the teaching of the gospel. And Stachus, that his name means ear of corn or head of grain. And my beloved describes this person as uh, describes Paul's personal love and affection that he had toward this man. Look at verse 10. He says, Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. The approved in Christ describes Apelles as one who has been successfully battle-tested in spiritual warfare and has demonstrated that he's faithful to God and the body of Christ. When adversity struck, he didn't run from the plan of God. He stuck to it. So this Apelles, that means he, when he says he's approved, that means he was battle-tested. He went, he went through conflict. He went through battle, spiritual warfare. And we have been going through spiritual warfare for the last several months. And as we come through it, we can be called approved in, uh, approved in Christ. That means we've been battle-tested. And many Christians fail, but the ones who succeed, they're the ones that would be called approved in Christ, battle-tested. That's what he's describing Apelles as. So he went through spiritual conflict with the local assembly and he didn't quit on the plan of God. Those who were of the household of Aristobulus, that could refer to the household of the grandson of Herod the Great. The fact that only Aristobulus, his name is mentioned here, and that Paul sends greetings to those connected to his household indicates that a good many of these individuals were slaves. So when he says the household of Aristobulus, that means not only the p people that were connected to Herod the Great's grandson, but also family members, but also it's talking about slaves. The early first century church was composed of a lot of slaves. In the first century, slavery was an institution in the Roman Empire. And so you could have a church sitting in a gathering like this in somebody's home, like Prisca and Aquila, and the master was sitting next to his, his, his slaves. Imagine that. And the Bible never says, he never, never says, let, you know, uh, get, let your slaves go. He says, if, 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 uh, eventually what happened was the slave masters did leave, let the slaves go until slavery was gone from the Roman Empire. But we see that slavery was not, uh, uh, in fact, in Israel, they had slavery. And it was not a bad thing to be a slave. And we think of slavery in a negative sense because of the Civil War and the, and the Civil Rights Movement in America. But slaves were treated as members of the family in the first century. They were business people. They were people who could, uh, they could do a, had a lot of different skills. They were not um, basically uh, out there that worked out in the field. They came from a variety of backgrounds. They were treated as members of the family. We know that from inscriptions in the first century and tombstones where masters, and many times they would marry their slaves. They had great affection for their slaves. They were treated as members of the household and many times they would give them their freedom and then the, the, master, or the slave would say, I don't want to go, I want to stay with you. And there was nothing wrong with that. So the, our perception of slavery has been uh, twisted from uh, what we've heard in the last 60 years. It wasn't always terrible. Uh, there was bad cases of slavery, a bad treatment of slaves, but there was also a lot of rec records of good treatment of slaves. Now, look at verse 11. We're coming to the end here. He says, Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of narcissists who are in the Lord. Herodian was a fellow Christian Jew. Uh, as indicated by that expression, my kinsmen, and those of the household of narcissists who are in the Lord, that also refers to the household of slaves connected to the family of narcissists. And uh, tradition has it that these household slaves became Nero's, but retained the name of their former 
master. Now look at verse 12. He says, Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. And he says that they are workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa were sisters. Um, I think maybe they might have been old maids. I don't know. My, 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 my father's uh, sisters, Alice and Nancy, they never got married. They're in their 70s now. And they traveled the world. They were in all world travels. Never got married. They just traveled the world. But uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa, they might have been just like that. And it's interesting. They were sisters. And their names, Tryphena's name means dainty. And Tryphosa, her name means delicate. Now, they were workers in the Lord. That means they were dainty and delicate. But they were hard workers. They were not uh, prissy. Okay? I better not do that too much. People might think I'm a little funny too. Workers in the Lord, that indicates that these two women worked hard in the sense that they exerted themselves physically and spiritually in the face of adversity while serving the Lord. Persis the Beloved was a woman and a dear friend of Paul's and many individuals in the church. Look at verse 13. It says, Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Rufus may be the same person mentioned in Mark 15:21, who's identified as a son of Simon of Cyrene and brother of Alexander. Remember that? Simon of Cyrene? At the crucifixion of Christ, Simon of Cyrene was compelled by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross of Christ. Now the probability of this Rufus in Mark 15:21 and the one in Romans 16:13 is being the same depends upon the Roman origin of the Gospel of Mark and the original inclusion of Romans 16 in Paul's letter to the Romans. So, the Gospel of Mark was actually written for the people in the Roman Empire originally. So this, more than likely, is the same Rufus. He says he's a choice man. That emphasizes that Rufus performed outstanding service on behalf of the Lord. What that was, again, only Jesus Christ knows, and only Jesus Christ will reward him, of course. Then it says... Uh, that uh, also his mother and mine indicates that Rufus's mother was very hospitable and gracious to Paul and that he stayed at the home of Rufus. So you could just imagine, he's, uh, Paul's over Rufus's house and his mother's waiting on him. Ooh, you want some lasagna? You want some spaghetti? Oh, before you went to bed, you want a glass of warm milk, uh, Apostle Paul? You know, she didn't call him Apostle, she called him Paul. Paul, would you like to have a glass of milk? Do can can, you want, a, uh, you want a, co- a coffee bread? I'm thinking about my, uh, you know, my grandmother, she used to do, you want some hot tea and a cup of uh, uh, apple pie, a piece of apple pie, Paul? I mean, she would do that stuff. She treated Paul, uh, Rufus's mother treated Paul as if it was her own son. Okay? Now, what does this tell you about Paul? Now, we've read the book of Romans, right? We think, oh, this guy is like this, this crazy out there theologian. Like, he's, he's so deep. And he's so got so much doctrine in his soul. He knows so much of this knowledge of, the, of Jesus Christ, which he's supposed to have. He has this greatest knowledge of the Word of God than any man that lived, okay, outside of Jesus Christ. Here's the Apostle Paul. But he was a people person. He was a people person. He loved people. Aren't you getting this? Look at all these people he was friends with. That tells you he was a people person. He wasn't just this guy who sat up in the up in the in the steeple, you know, up in his lofty tower. No, he was among the people. He was a tent maker. He worked with the people. He knew what it was like to go out there and work. That's why I think, you know, when I became a parent, a lot of guys would get ordained. They go right from college to graduate school. Then they go to the, the ministry. They go into a seminary, they come out, they don't know what it's like to be out there 
working a job. When I got when I got uh, when I go to Dane, I was uh, I was working a job. I was working 40, 50 hours a week, and then coming to Bible class and run the prep school at GBC. I was wor- in the world for a long time. When I before I got a ministry out of Prairie View, I was 40 years old. I been, I know what it's like to f- have a problem uh, dealing with, uh, trying to pay the bills. I know what it's like to be out there dealing with the boss. I'm out there. I knew what it's like to be out there where you guys are out, and that's good for a pastor to know that because it gives you a empathy for the people that you serve. That empathy that many times people who just come out of seminary that they don't have. They have no way of knowing because they haven't been out there in the world. And so that's why I'm thankful that before I came out to Iowa that I had this this experience. I've done everything. I've, I've, the whole, I've, I was a travel director at one time. I used to go I, I travel uh, tri- trips to California in a bus and so on your right there is the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. You know, so good, man, you just imagine what I, you can imagine what I was doing. And I had to entertain people. You know, I could probably do that. But you know, I went did trips to ta- California. I didn't know anything about California. I mean, one guy came up to me at the end. And said, you really have never been to California, have you? I go, no, you can't. Can you tell? He goes, no, but you're doing a good job of faking it. <laughs> it's like, thanks a lot. It's like, because I was just doing anything I could about California, you know, driving down the coast of California. I did that. I've, I've, I've cleaned the bowling alley. I've done, I know what it's cleaned, cleaned the, the men's and the women's bathroom. I've done, uh, I was an office manager. Uh, worked in a, a paper factory. Oh, that was a lot of fun for about five years. I've done a lot of stuff, okay? And, uh, but that, that helped me to understand where people are at. So I know where, the, like, you know, Paul was a people person. I am a people person, too. And I can tell you that because I, I, I'm, I'm just like you guys. I'm just, I'm no different. I'm not this guy who's sitting up in an ivory tower and stuff. I'm out here with you people, and I care about you people, and I care enough that I want you to learn the Word of God, be fed the Word of God, so you can bring glory to God and you can learn the great joy it is to have a relationship with the Lord and see that His Word does work. I want you to see that. Now, look at verse 14. It says, Greet Asyncritus and Phlegon, Hermes, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Now, more than likely, these individuals all formed house churches people. Now, in these verses, verses 3 through 15, Paul sends greetings to 26 individuals. Paul, he sends greetings to 17 men. He sends greetings to nine women, seven of which he names. Of these individuals, two are married couples, and one more could either be a husband or wife or brother or sister, Philologus and Julia. Now, the apostle also sent greetings to the slaves of freedmen connected to the families of Aristobulus and Narcissus. There could have been as many as five house churches. I just think this is a riot. I was talking to Titus. It's funny that we're studying this, right? Here we are. We're sitting in a house. <laughs> I mean, is that the Holy Spirit? That's the humor? It just, just cracks me up. Te- can't tell me the Holy Spirit ain't working. All right? He's working. It's like, holy Toledo. Isn't that a riot? We're sitting in a house now. There, there could be as many as five house churches in this passage. One headed by Prisca and Aquila, one each connected to the household of Aristobulus and Narcissus, one connected to Asyncritus' group, and those connected to Philologus. Of these individuals, Paul identifies four as being his dear friends. And then five are Jews, uh, Prisca, Aquila, Andronicus, and uh, Andronicus, excuse me, and Junia and Herodian. Now, as we close here, I want to point out something here. 
Paul, why did Paul give this list? Think about that. I said, think about that so I can get a drink so I don't cough all over the place. He provides, he provides Phoebe a list of people to call on. Who delivered this letter? Phoebe. <coughs> She's coming to Rome. I don't know anybody. He has a list of people you can call on, is what he does. <coughs> also, do you notice there's a lot of women mentioned there? <coughs> this is kind of funny. There's a lot of women mentioned here. Do you know that liberal scholars, I read a lot of articles by a lot of Bible scholars, right? They, they're liberal Bible scholars, meaning they really don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture. But these guys, they accuse Paul of being demeaning to women. That's what they accuse Paul of. They say that his teaching, where he doesn't allow women to have authority over a man, in 1 Timothy 11-15, uh, you can't be a pastor, he says, in those verses, you can't have authority over them. Well, a lot of people think that Paul, and something that he says in 1 Corinthians 14, where the women are to be silent, that doesn't mean they can't talk, but they're, they're to uh, not be teaching, okay, having authority over a man. Well, many liberal scholars say that Paul, his teaching is demeaning to women. And some wackier scholars say that he was even gay. He had something against women. Well, what does this tell you of Romans 16? It says that Paul and women got along. They, who, 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 Paul, right here, had women who were a big part of his ministry. We just saw several of them mentioned here. Big part of his ministry. So he didn't have anything, any axe to grind with women. He loved women. And just because Paul said a woman couldn't be a pastor, that doesn't mean that the woman is less than a man or is, 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 uh, is, uh, is, uh, is a less of a person than a man is. That's not what it teaches. Remember, there's a divine order. The man was created first, then the woman, and the woman was created for the man. And Eve was deceived, not Adam. So that's why the two reasons why a, a woman cannot be a pastor and have authority over the church. So he didn't have anything against women at all. So, also one other thing. All these individuals, remember Paul says in Romans 1.8, your faith, you Roman believers, your faith is known throughout the Roman Empire. I'm, I'm in Romans 15, 13 and 14, or 14 and 15, Romans 15, 14 and 15, he says, I'm sure that you're, I'm, that you're filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Remember that? And then he says in Romans 16, 19, that I rejoice over your obedience. How could Paul say that when he never met these people? Well, the answer is this. All these people that he sends greetings to, that he knew that were living in Rome, had been giving Paul reports about the Roman believers. That's why he knew that they were filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. That's how they, he knew. These people were friends of his that he's sending greetings to in Rome. And these, group, these believers that he's sending greetings to sets up a, 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 play, a, people, a list of people that Phoebe can call on. It also it unites these people all together with Paul. It gives Paul some kind of connection to the, these people that he knew that were in Rome that already knew the Roman believers because Paul hadn't met the Roman believers yet. We don't see that happening until Acts chapter 28. So what a great... Hopefully you enjoyed this study of Romans 16, 3 through 15. What a great study. And it just tells us that these people were just like you and I. They met in homes. They hear the word of God. They just 
They loved each other. They loved the Lord. They loved the Apostle Paul, who was their commu- the communicator, one of the communicators of the Word of God. So they were a, a very intimate group of people, the early first century church. And, uh, that, and they primarily, of course, met in homes. Well, we've run out of time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time to study your word. We thank you for everyone that is here this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit would challenge us with the things that we've heard. Guide us, instruct us, convict us, and uh, instruct us in righteousness. Rebuke us if necessary. Encourage us, build up and edify us, Father, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, also if there's anyone here this morning that is listening to my voice on Pal Talk or on the website that has not believed in Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that God so loved the world that He gave His uniquely born Son that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to, to, to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Now you have a volition, a free will, and you can say to the Father in your own words that you're believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the minute you do that, you've been entered into the family of God, received the forgiveness of your sins, and have eternal life. And you will live with God forever. So much so that if you were to die this moment, you would be absent from the body, face to face with the Lord. As Jesus said, even he who believes in me, even if he dies, he shall live. So the choice is yours. Will he be your judge or will he be your savior? Only you can make that decision. The choice is yours. Again, we thank you and praise you, Father. Thank you so much, Father, for gracing us out and giving us everything that we need to bring glory to you. We thank you for your word and the spirit speaking us to us here this morning. And we pray, Father, that you would bless the offering to come in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to take up our, our offering here. And uh, uh, I'm just going to sing a song while that's taking place. And uh, thank you for uh, those who have been so supportive of, um, of myself in the last several months. We've gone through a lot of different things. And uh, I'd just like to thank you all, my, uh, all, you those, all of those out there that have been giving me emails and sending me stuff to, to encourage me. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you for the Thompsons for opening up their household. And um, so at this time, we're going to uh, take up the offering and we're gonna, I'm going to uh, sing us a song while that's happening.
Dismiss. We got food upstairs, guys. <laughs>